Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton. Today, I'm meeting virtually with Brandon Hobson from his office in New Mexico. Brandon's novel, Where the Dead Sit Talking, was a finalist for the National Book Award in 2018 and won the Reading the West Book Award. Brandon is also an enrolled citizen of the Cherokee Nation Tribe of Oklahoma. His latest novel, The Removed, is about the Achotas, a Cherokee family living in Oklahoma that is suffering from incredible grief over the death of their oldest child, Ray Ray, who, though unarmed, was shot and killed by a police officer. Brandon is one of the many authors participating in the Miami Book Fair this year, and Brandon, it's just a pleasure to have you on Read More to talk about your work. Thank you so much for having me. The Removed is just a hauntingly beautiful novel. I finished it in a couple of days and I can't wait to read it again. I just want to take it in and make sure I didn't miss anything the first go round. When it opens up, the Echada family is preparing to mark the 15th anniversary of Ray Ray's death, which coincides with the anniversary of the signing of the Constitution of the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma in 1839 which followed the forced removal of the Cherokee and other indigenous peoples from the southeastern U.S. to Oklahoma in what's known as the Trail of Tears. Ray Ray's dad, Ernest, is now suffering from Alzheimer's. His younger brother, Edgar, is addicted to drugs, and his younger sister, Sonia, is sort of adrift. His mom, Marie, still contends with depression and anxiety. But things seem to change for the parents when a foster child, Wyatt, comes to stay with them. He reminds them of Ray Ray in many ways. Brandon, in addition to showing us the grief of the Achota family, you also take readers back to the time before the trail through an ancestor, Chala. I see this novel as being about the impact of generational trauma. Although Ray Ray died 15 years ago, the same issues that allowed the trail to take place in the 1800s allowed a white officer to shoot and kill Ray Ray, even though it was a white teen who actually had a gun. He saw the native kid as expendable and there was no justice in either case. Are these the connections that you wanted the reader to see? Yes, they are. Um, When I began writing this book, I was thinking about uh, a real family from Oklahoma named the Good Blanket family. A Cheyenne and Arapaho family who lost their son to a police shooting. And what happened in that circumstance, and it happened in 2014, 2015, um, was they called the police for help because they were afraid that their son was going to hurt himself. He was in a terrible argument with his, his girlfriend and, and uh, was very angry and they called the police for help. And, uh, Um, it ended up being that they lost their son um, by multiple gunshots from the police in, uh, in Oklahoma. And so I was thinking that haunted me. And I I thought I I need to write about, about this because this idea of justice, um, it's, what, what is justice, right, for this family? And as they continue to, the police officers were not charged with, uh, with anything. And, and um, it was just, it was a very 
tense situation. And uh, so I, uh, I began with those questions of what is justice? Um, how do you heal after, uh, after such a traumatic event? And you mentioned um, generational trauma, which is, is something that I was also thinking a lot about because not only is police violence still happy, happening, and not just for native people, right? Um, this was before George Floyd and, and certainly has been going on for a long time. And, and uh, I was, I was thinking about the, 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 the authority, the authority, <clears throat> excuse me, the authority of the government and the violence inflicted upon specifically native people, um, not just recently, but going back hundreds of years when native people were removed from southeastern United States and pushed into um, Indian territory, which uh, what is now known as Oklahoma, um, and uh, how that um, continues to uh, to affect generationally. After I read the novel, I went back and I read some reviews of it. And there were so many that talked about, oh, this is so timely. You know, they were thinking at, at that point, of course, about George Floyd and that type of police violence. But as you said, this has been going on a long time. And I wondered, as a writer, how you felt about that, about this idea, oh, you've written such a timely novel when you're writing about something that's been going on for a very long time. Well, it's certainly... The American Indian Movement started in the in the 1970s out of Minnesota, right? So George Floyd died in Minneapolis, and Minneapolis is where the one of the founders of the American Indian Movement, um, Russell Banks, uh, um, excuse me, uh, Russell Means, uh, and Dennis Banks both were, were founders of the American Indian Movement, and. Um, uh, well, what was happening there was they, they formed the American Indian Movement due to police violence against natives and uh, uh, was uh, just something that um, was very, very difficult uh, for, for natives uh, to deal with. And the fact that it's, it's extremely sad that... Um, it affects all people of color. It's affected all people of color and um, that it continued to go on. And this is something that went back to 200 years earlier with the government, the U S government and specifically Chala is also, I was thinking about, there's a real man named uh, Chali uh, who was killed by the U S government for refusing to leave when, when the government, when Andrew Jackson ordered the soldiers to remove uh, the tribes, um, he was one of one of the, the ones who fought and ended up sadly losing his life for refusing to, to leave. And so I was thinking also about Chali uh, when I was writing Chala and um, uh, just how those stories and the, the, the violence um, continues to, to happen. And here we are in, you know, 2021 
Um, we're still talking about it. It's still an issue. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's rough. And um, we can only hope that it's starting to get better. I, I feel my, the part I can play, uh, you know, we can, we can be advocates and, and, um, uh, but, but the, the part that I can play is, is to write about it. Right. And, and to, to make this, uh, uh, more widely known and, and seen through my, through my writing. So I hope that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you, you mentioned the word timely and that people say timely, but I, I feel like, you know, um, it, it's just, it's always been going on. So, uh, it's just been, um, lately, more recently, um, brought out in the news uh, a lot more, but I mean, how many times before have the, have the news sort of downplayed it, right? How many, how many instances out there, um, of, of violence and specifically police violence here that doesn't make national news. Um, but, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's creating conversations. That's what I want an awareness. In this novel, you explore lots of Cherokee history as well as Cherokee folklore. And a lot of it pertains to the trail. Did you have to do a lot of research before you could start writing this? Not too much, really. That's um, I grew up in Oklahoma, and so uh, in terms of Oklahoma history, um, you know, we we're, we're sort of taught. People, kids are sort of taught early on, I think, about um, the the history of Oklahoma and how it uh, was originally uh, Indian territory, and and how many. Uh, tribes, uh, specifically five, uh, that that were pushed into to Oklahoma, and actually there are thirty nine tribes in the, in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, so so Oklahoma is still what I, I still call it Indian territory, and um, um, but I a lot of the the, the stories with Chala really came out of the old traditional Cherokee stories. Um, some call some call it Cherokee mythology. Some call it just early uh, uh, Cherokee stories that are passed down that arrived in Oklahoma uh, through oral storytelling from ancestors um, telling these stories. Uh, that that uh, if they don't, if the stories don't talk about justice, they talk about um, the land and um, uh, issues like. Uh, uh, fear and respect and and um, creation stories sometimes uh, are are uh, but uh, animal stories um, uh, stories of the land and so I wanted um, a place in a in modern in a modern book uh, for some of these stories to exist and so the story of uh, the giant leech. Uh, sort of creeping out of the water and and um, uh, th- those kinds of uh, mythologies, right? That that come out of uh, oral storytelling that existed as at one time as just a way of uh, uh, our ancestors uh, uh, teaching lessons, right? And I wanted some of those stories to uh, to exist, but also specifically thinking about Chala here is is a man who was removed in the Trail of Tears. So 
Um, he was uh, in the book, just like Charlie, he was killed for refusing to leave. And I wanted to address that. <clears throat> One thing I forgot to mention was that his son and in real life, Charlie's son was also killed. Um, and so Chala, I wanted to, to base off of, of him. And so he's telling these stories to his son as a spirit. Right. And so, uh, uh, so some of the violence that the, the, the government is uh, in, inflicting as, as they're being removed out of the Southeast. Um, he's also uh, trying to comfort him with uh, sort of these stories of, uh, of uh, traditional Cherokee mythology. There are so many supernatural elements in this novel. I mean, there's sections of it that take place in an area called the Darkening Land. Edgar spends some time there. And while there, he stays with a friend from high school named Jackson Andrews. You know, play on the name of President Andrew Jackson, the architect of the Trail of Tears. Edgar is told he can't leave. He meets interesting characters there and later finds out he's in great danger. What is it that you enjoy as a writer about moving away from straight realism to allow you to explore something like the darkening land? Well, I, I've always been kind of fascinated with that idea of the darkening land as this sort of alternate universe where uh, souls go until justice is served. Right. And, um, I, I should add that Cherokee actually is a majority of Cherokees uh, are practicing Christians and that uh, Christianity was introduced to Cherokees from the um, or, originally. Um, and uh, uh, which Shala mentions. Um, so, uh, uh, but, but yet these, there are still these sort of, pre-Christian conversations, these creation stories, right. That, that came, that, that came out of, uh, uh, um, ancestors talking about, um, you know, creation and so forth. And, and, uh, so the darkening land was this, uh, came out of that way back. Those, those early stories of, again, um, is justice, uh, ever going to be served. Right. And so, I, I had an interest in just sort of uh, playing with that, with that idea a little bit, and and again giving it a giving it a space in modern a modern uh, story uh, for it still to exist, so that readers will, will not only be aware of it, but will think about um, the origins coming out of uh, oral st- storytelling for for the tribe. So, uh, so yeah, I've always been kind of those are fun stories, right, and. Um, uh, the, the way that we look at uh, when we, in school, if we read stories of Greek mythology, for example, right, or uh, Roman myth, myths, um, uh, some of those early Cherokee uh, stories are, are fun, um, though haunting. <laughs> so, Well, you know, when I was reading this, Brandon, I didn't realize that the Darkling Land was actually a Cherokee myth. And I thought it was something that you just, you came up with. I, I wish I would have come up with that, right? <laughs> but what I, the, the place and the descriptions are entirely out of my imagination. Um, the, the, uh, the sort of Cherokee early traditional stories, um, the Darkening Land is just a place that's just mentioned, 
It's just the darkening land, right? And there's no there's no visual descriptions of it anywhere. And so I wanted to to make it be a, a place not much like where we are now in terms of uh, when Edgar finds himself there, he he fears that he's going to die the same way Ray Ray died, which is by shooting. And so there are these people that um, are, are uh, designing this video, this shooting game that he begins to fear in this sort of darkening, this gray, gray world that he's uh, found himself in. Um, he it becomes a place of fear for him uh, to, that he's going to die in the same way. And that it, it all seems to be just kind of a casual joke to, to everybody uh, except him. As I was reading this, I was telling my husband, I was like, uh, you had some characters that kept saying the word trippy. This is just, I said, this novel is really trippy and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I wanted it to be uh, trippy and, and um, uh, you know, kind of surreal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really want to do, uh, I want to do different things with, with the novel. And, and that was, that's part of my, uh, um, you know, that's, that's part of my thing is, is to, to push the novel in, in different directions that it's not um, always the same. I think when people, I mean, we talk for, I, but um, people think of like the native American novel, they, they, they think of, you know, one specific sort of, I'm, I'm just trying to, to branch out a little bit and, mm-hmm. and do different things. Right. I think, and I, I think we're seeing that a lot in diversity right now and in, in publishing, uh, which and culturally, which is a really, really good thing for for literature. Like I say, I'm I'm being really hopeful. I was really impressed by the way you wrote the main female characters in this novel. They were so complex and just fully alive on the page. Maria is a retired social worker, which is a job you once held. Did that make it easier for you to get in her head? It did. Um, as a social worker, my, my mom um, was also a social worker. So I was thinking uh, a little bit about her and a lot of women I worked with who were in, in social work at the time. So, um, yeah, that, that's definitely, I did that job. I did, well, I did three different jobs in social work over seven years. And so I, I draw on those experiences a lot in my, well, specifically these last two, uh, these last two books. Yeah. Throughout the novel, there is this idea that Ray Ray is coming back to the family, like through birds, or he's, he's sending messages to the family. And we see that when this character of Wyatt enters the novel. He is a foster child who's staying with the Achota family for a while. And the dad becomes convinced that it is Ray Ray. He has returned. Um, and eventually the mom begins to see it too. Um, what is it about that idea of a person's uh, spirit returning um, that death isn't really final? I, I believe that uh at one point in the novel, Chala says that there is no death. It's just a re, uh, returning to or going to a different world. And I'm sorry, I don't have that right in front of me, so I can't. I may not be quoting it accurately, but uh, um, that's what I remember of it. What is it about the idea of a person returning that you found 
so attractive and wanted to explore in this novel? Part of the idea of spirituality and being, and, um, you know, I feel like I'm a very spiritual person and uh, that idea of seeing um, f- okay, for um, for Ernest and his Alzheimer's, that he's able to tune into that, even though his mind has uh, decayed through Alzheimer's, he's still able to, to pick up on kind of a spiritual connection, right? So despite, <clears throat> I, my grandfather had Alzheimer's, and that was something I always wondered. I thought, he, even though his mind is gone, what is his spirit able to 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 feel things? Um, is his spirit able to recognize comfort and love? And um, how does one? We could probably go into a very long conversation all day long about, you know, uh, mind and, and soul and spirit, right? Which, by the way, I would love to have that conversation, but because um, I'm, I'm always so fascinated by these, by these conversations. But, but that was just kind of what I was thinking is, was, was thinking about, was, would Ernest be able to still sort of feel, um, the, the presence of kindness or love and through his spirit. And, and I, so I pitched that idea that he actually began to, to heal and his mind healed through his soul and spirit healing. And, um, when my own grandfather passed away uh, many years ago of, of Alzheimer's, I always kind of entertain the idea myself, like what if he just snapped out of it? If something just sort of, right, snapped him out of his, his Alzheimer's or, or dementia, right, his confusion. Um, but I do believe that uh, so much of this book is about um, feeling, spiritually feeling, uh, through looking at the land, through looking at the beauty of the land, the beauty of animals, birds, and this beautiful creation around us in, in, in terms of the, the earth and how that makes us feel. Um, you know, so much of it we take for granted, right? But there's a, uh, that. I think with, with Ernest, that was really where I, my starting point was how does his spirit, how would his spirit be able to feel and um, how could that heal him? Well, as I said, it's just a beautiful book and it, it brings all those issues to mind and it gives you just so much to ponder. I, I, Again, really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you. I would like to 
switch gears though now and just ask you a few questions about what you like to read and your influences and what brought you to this point. Um, Do you have what I like to call go-to books or books that you find yourself reading over and over again? Oh, wow. There are so many um, that, uh, books that I, that I love. Um, you know, what book I was thinking a lot about when I was writing the removed was Jasmine Ward's, uh, seeing unburied scene. She, um, I'm such a, such a fan of hers. And, and first of all, I think she's brilliant, uh, absolutely brilliant and a beautiful writer. And I thought when I was writing the things that she was doing and seeing unburied scene, I thought, um, were an inspiration to the removed. And I, I, I've told her that Um, I've written to her and told her that. Um, And uh, um, so that, that's, that's a book that I I think I will continue. I've read it a couple of times now. I think I will continue to, to, to read that book. Um, I'm, uh, especially drawn to uh, Leslie Marmon Silco as a writer. Um, her book Ceremony is, is a favorite, um, as well as her, her big novel uh, called Almanac of the Dead. Uh, that, that Those are books that I, I come back to, uh, return to a lot. Also, um, <clears throat> um, I would also say probably, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. There are so many that I, I return to uh, so much that um, James Welch's Winter in the Blood and and James Welch uh, has been an influence on me and specifically my writing style, I think, uh, early on. Um, uh, Toni Morrison beloved is a, is a beautiful book I've taught and, and love. Um, Oh, that's, that's fine. I know there's like so many, so many. many. Uh, Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I just, I, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of slow to respond. I just, there's just so many, I want to mention the, the ones that are especially, uh, especially beautiful for me. I, I, I was also thinking about, um, in terms of this book, because of its, uh, that kind of surreal quality with, um, the darkening land, uh, I was I was also thinking about um, a couple of uh, uh, sort of more surrealistic books, right? And I'm thinking about um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez is one whose uh, magical realism uh, has always been an influence on me, and so I think I may have uh, that Hundred Years of Solitude and his collected stories. I think are um, beautiful books and uh, the way that he, he uh, writes about 
surreal um, setting and uses magical realism to such amazing effect, I think is, has been an influence and probably uh, specifically on this book as well. Well, now I'd sort of like to ask you about the flip side mm. of that uh, books that maybe you didn't love so much. Uh, mm. Are there any books that you feel like you are sort of in the minority on, you know, maybe everybody else really loved them. Uh, maybe it's a classic, um, but for you, either you couldn't finish it or you did. And then you were wondering kind of, you know, what is all the fuss about? You just didn't resonate with you personally. Is there anything like that that comes to mind? Um, <clears throat> I, I hope that we're getting away from teaching a lot of the, I'm honestly not a big Hemingway fan. I, uh, I, he's taught in a lot of American literature classes. Uh, I just <clears throat> really struggle uh, with, and I know he wrote a lot about war, um, and, but I, I, he's taught so much. Um, I'm just not a, a big fan of, of his. I think, uh, and I think about this as uh, my oldest son is an eighth grader. And so I'm sort of trying to pay attention to, um, the good thing I, I think about living here in New Mexico is we have a pretty diverse population. So I think the teachers are, are doing a good job in terms of recognizing the diversity in literature and, 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 passing that on to, uh, to the kids that they teach. And, and, uh, um, so I'm, I'm hoping we, I don't know that Hemingway's the first one that comes to mind really that I'm not, um, I've just never really, uh, been able to, to get through his, his work. And yet he's considered such, um, in, in terms of American literature, um, someone who has been so, often taught uh, even in in high schools and um, I hope that we're we're starting to get to, to look at um, not just more diverse books but more uh, more recent books um, also that are uh, addressing history and and uh, books that are, are taught uh, excuse me books that are written you know, over the past 10 years or so, 20 years. Uh, I think, uh, I think right now it's a real, really fascinating time um, that to, to look and pay start paying attention to what's published and not just for adult fiction, but also for children's fiction as well. And uh, 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 start thinking about, you know, how we can apply that to uh, the new generation of students coming through. Well, what are you reading right now? A whole bunch of student stories. <laughs> I teach. I, I teach uh, at, the, at the New Mexico State and at the Institute of American Indian Arts, and so I have students uh, at both schools that I'm, I'm working with right now. And so um, uh, we are. Uh, um, so right now we're in the in the midst of workshopping student stories. So, um, uh, so I do have, uh, there is a book that, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, reading that came out last year called Strange Beasts of China. Uh, that's a, 
<clears throat> more of a fabulous book, um, fabulism, and um, I don't know how to pronounce uh, the 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 author's name, and I don't want to mispronounce it, but it's Y A N, and then the last name G E. So um, I had read a review, and I thought. That sounds like a fun book, a, f- a good fabulous book, right? And I think it's about these sort of uh, uh, monsters in, in China, right, that are part human and, and part. Just a, a nice uh, escape for me to um, uh, to read. So I'm looking forward to to reading that. Andre Jeffers, uh, her um, love songs of W.E. Dubois um, is a is a big book uh, that. Uh, um, and she's she lives in Oklahoma, and so um, I'm excited to uh, to read that. It's a very very big book. I'm hoping over break. Those are two books that are right at the top of my list. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on to talk about your work. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much, Marva, for for having me and and for letting me talk about it. You can find out how to win a free copy of The Removed on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, Brandon Hobson is one of many authors participating in the Miami Book Fair this year. You can find a video of his virtual appearance there at miamibookfair.com. You can also support Brandon and the show through buying the book on our site. Please follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again next time for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more. Thank you.